Welcome back to another episode of My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock, and we're all familiar with the big names in horror. Freddy, Jason, Maurice from Little Monsters. But who we're not familiar with are the ones just outside the terror, the ones who didn't get to tell their tales. So when I was in college, I was two credits shy of graduating my senior year. I didn't know this, but my advisor told me that I was, and he also told me that that spring semester he was offering a magic class for two credits, and that if I took it, I'd graduate on time. I took it. I was terrible at it. But if something were to happen like my guest went through this week, I probably would have stuck with it more than I did. Hey, neighbors, we are really excited for today's guest. See, when we started the show, well, we had a buy-in of comedy fans, and we were lucky enough to get some great reviews from Split Sider and the AB Club, but it kind of took a little while for horror fans to find us, and maybe even a little longer for them to trust us. What really put us on the map was when our good pal BJ Colangelo, then working for Dread Central, did a write-up for DC, calling us the best horror podcast you're not listening to. That's a quote. And Dread Central, a lot of ways, put us on the map within the horror community. And today, we are lucky enough to have the editor-in-chief, Jonathan Barkhan. 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 Nailed Jonathan it. Jonathan Barkhan. There you go. I love it. Yes. That's all. That's such a cool way to say it, too. How are you, pal? <laughs> I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for doing this. Of uh, course. It's it's my pleasure. We you know, we had a lot of great reception to BJ's article. A lot of love came from that. And so it's actually really great and amazing for me to be able to be a part of this. Well, it's I'm, Nate and I were really, really geeked to have, because we've been doing it with a lot of our comedy pals, but to get someone who's like legit into horror as as much as we are it's, <laughs> it's really, always weird really when people say like someone legit or someone from well, the right, industry right, i'm like yeah. i'm like i'm just a guy that grew up in you know southeast michigan i loved <laughs> horror and then i randomly <laughs> fell into this by pure luck right and somehow uh people seem to think that i have even the slightest amount of importance which is just so weird it's <laughs> no, the weirdest no, no, thing you, a lot of our, our pals who do it like you just see just so you guys know i don't i don't like horror movies i don't I don't watch it and stuff. Like it's fine. Like so, like to kind of coax somebody into come and do this. So yeah, uh, yeah. So I guess legit, right? Uh, where to start? Dread Central. Uh, how how did you get into that? Like where did where where do we start? All right. So uh, my beginnings with Dread Central came about after an ending with my tenure at Bloody Disgusting. Mm-hmm. So I was there for over seven years. I my last day was December thirtieth of two thousand and sixteen. And I officially was announced at Dread Central uh, mid-February of 2017. But what happened was I, after I left Bloody Disgusting, I contacted Shaked Berenson, who uh, at the time was the co-founder of Epic Pictures Group. Mm-hmm. And he was a friend, someone that I had spoken with, someone that I knew. And I told him, I'm looking for work if you know of anything. He also has a lot of connections in Israel where I have a lot of family. So okay. I even told him, if you know you know of anything over there, I'm ready to move. I'm, nothing is really tying me down anywhere. Yeah. So I'm ready to go where the wind takes me. And what I didn't know at the time was that Epic Pictures and Dread Central were in the midst of talking about Epic acquiring Dread and beginning their venture together. And Shaked didn't let me know about that. He said, listen, I have something. Give me about a week and a half, maybe two weeks, and I will let you know. 
So two weeks later, I reach out. The very next day, I was on the phone with Steve Barton, Uncle Creepy. And (laughs) the next day, it was official. I was uh, a part of the Dread Central team. And before I even had a title, before I knew what my salary was, uh, (laughs) they already were like, we need someone on the ground at South by Southwest in Austin. So we're going to get you a flight. We're going to get you an Airbnb and let's go. And I was like, "Uh, okay then. So So they just threw you right into it. They threw me right into it. So, uh, and then after coming back from there, that's when... Uh, we all got on the phone and I be- my official title at the time was managing editor and uh, I just kind of went from there. Started doing a lot of festivals, set visits, uh, helping Steve with the website with a lot of news and coverage and just basically doing a lot of what I did at Bloody Disgusting but over at Dread Central and now with the backing of Epic Pictures. So we were also at the time behind the scenes working on the Dread Central Presents label Mm -hmm. where we were acquiring a lot of films and getting ready for the announcement that came in September of last year. So it's, it was a lot of work, uh, and, but a lot of, you know, excitement and a lot of amazing opportunities. So that's basically how I got into Dread Central and what my roles were leading up till very recently where I became the editor in chief. Basically Steve decided to pass on the torch and I've taken up that mantle, and that's where I'm I am right now. Incredibly jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a whirlwind of events, and um, I'm incredibly fortunate that I've had these opportunities, and that I'm in this position. Like, even I mean, this is my October is my ninth year. Wow! It's the anniversary of my ninth year of doing online writing for horror, and there are still moments when I will be doing an interview or I'll be at a film festival or, you know, whatever. Right. And I'm struck by this giddy feeling (laughs) that I'm like, I'm still doing this. Like, this is my job. Well, yeah. I mean, hearing you talk, like I've said it before, like you're, you're doing the thing that when we were in high school, we'd sit in basements talking about. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, you, so you're doing that as a, as a profession and it's, it's and it, incredible. And it fell into place in the most random of ways because for the longest time, um, I was a reader of Bloody Disgusting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what happened with me was, uh, I guess the best way to tell this is to go back a little bit. Yeah. When I was in high school, I did terrible. I was too busy smoking pot. Uh, yeah. I just really didn't care. I was not a student. High school sucks. High school kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And... So I took a year off after high school and I worked as a barista in a coffee shop slash bakery. Didn't really do too much. Like I was just going to concerts and, uh, you know, I had been playing music. So I play guitar. I was in a couple bands and, you know, going that route. Um, and then a year after I finished high school and I did that kind of year off, which terrified my parents. I mean, Jewish parents <laughs> not going to college. It was one of the worst things imaginable. (laughs) So, uh, so I, um, what I did was I then went to Washtenaw Community College here Mm -hmm. in Michigan and I was there for three years, two years for an associate's degree and one year getting a certificate of music production and engineering. And then I thought, let's try and find a studio that I can work in and kind of go that route. I wanted to be a part of the music world. Yeah. Well, there aren't a lot of studios in Southeast Michigan, and so it's incredibly difficult to even get an 
unpaid internship, which I wasn't able to get. So I ended up working for a local mom and pop instrument shop where the owner, he wanted to build a studio where he could record his students so that they would have recordings of their lessons so they could listen to it and fall back on it. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And, uh, that was the idea was that it, once it was built, I would be running that. It never got built. So I just ended up managing the sales part of the, of the mm -hmm. store. And then after a year and a half, I kind of realized this is a mom and pop shop. There's only so far I can go here. Right. Let me see if I can, uh, study this even more at the university of Michigan. So I transferred all my credits from Washington community college to U of M got in and I, at the U of M, there's a really great program called the BGS, the Bachelor of General Studies. Yeah. And so you can build your own degree, which is fantastic because if you get into, say, the School of Music, you can only take classes at the School of Music. If you get into School of Business, only at the School of Business. Right. But by doing the BGS, you can take classes at all of the schools mm -hmm. in the U of M. So that's what I did. And I built a degree focusing on business communications and music with the idea that I would move to LA and get into the PR world. Right. Went to LA, realized there's no fucking way I can, I can survive here. I do not have the personality for this. I would be miserable. <laughs> right. it, it was really just not, not yeah. meant for me. Um, yeah. but while I was at the U of M, I, um, I saw that bloody disgusting premiered a music video. So I sent a private message to the author of the article premiering the video saying, Hey, uh, I'm studying music. I'm a lifelong horror fan. I have an associate, I have a certificate of music production and engineering. How do I start writing for you guys? And I didn't know it, but the author of that post was the co-founder of bloody disgusting. Really? So it just kind of fell into place. And originally it was very funny because they were like, well, we're not sure if we're looking for writers. And I said, no, no, no. I'm going to write for you. How do I do this? <laughs> right, right. So they started off by saying, okay, two album reviews a month. And immediately I contacted every single record label I could think of, mainly metal and rock. Right. Um, and I said, I'm doing album reviews for Bloody Disgusting. This is a audience that you're not tapped into. Let's start doing some stuff. And a ton of them were like, yes, we love this. Let's go ahead and uh, let's get you some albums in advance. We're going to send you CDs. Uh, and by the way, on top of doing an album review, how would you like to give away 10 copies of the album on Bloody Disgusting? And I was like, of course, not right, right. without knowing how we're going to do it. I was just like, yes, we're going to make it happen. So I yeah, yeah. reached out to Tom, who was the co-owner that got me into my place. And uh, I was like, hey, we're giving away 10 albums on Bloody. How do we do it? And he's like... <laughs> What are you, what are you doing? Like, this is cool, but, but you need Why to like, you let us, you me? need to let us know about this. And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 I'm not letting you know at all. Uh, and then suddenly they were like, Hey, do you want to do an interview with the band backstage at their Detroit shows? Yeah. And I was like, of course. Yeah. And so since I was still a student at U of M, I was able to rent out video equipment. So I started doing video interviews for bloody. And, um, so, uh, that's how I got into this world was it started out in music. And then as I started going on and on, then I started writing more about uh, movies and about TV shows and video games. And that's where they were like, look, it seems like you're a jack of all trades, absolutely a master of none. <laughs> and um, let's go ahead and uh, just start bringing you into writing more and more. So that's kind of where this 
where this all fell into place. Ann Arbor, I mean, I'm sure everybody says this about their town, but the, since the three of us have such a connect, it, there's such a cool scene in Ann Arbor. Yeah, it's, it's a great. great. Artist scene there too, with the Michigan Theater being there and and the State Theater doing the midnight showings of horror absolutely. movies. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I did. I mean, God, I, Evil Dead too at, at Royal Oak when they or Evil Dead when they when they some anniversary they did it and Bruce yep. Campbell they showed it at the Royal. Like, there's such a cool scene there for you know music and and art and film. It's, I mean, I, I remember seeing many, many, many years ago on Halloween night, it was a double feature of Nosferatu with a live organist playing music as it was going. Yeah. And then it was immediately followed by Army of Darkness. Oh, come on. So it was just, it was one of those amazing kind of opportunities and experiences that you never really get, right. but that are afforded to the people of Ann Arbor. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I live here. That's why I'm not in New York or in... Los Angeles. Uh, and it's also because uh, rent rates are absurd and I refuse to pay that much. Yeah, it's absolutely astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I was paying in Chicago is, is goddamn ludicrous. For <laughs> yeah. I could buy a house here for what I was paying. Um, I think it's so cool too that you're doing it here. Like I maybe I'm just pumping my chest being a hometown boy but no it's I, it's, it's, it's really cool you're doing it's it. really important because i'm i try to be supportive of the michigan community and mm-hmm. of michigan as a whole that's why i really like to you know let people know about things in this area so that's why i love going to the haunts here you know yeah. wired's orchard it's why i love going to the dexter cider mill right. and literally right. right next door there's that little tiny wine shop where you can buy a bottle of night of the living red and absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah, every yeah. year i have to pick up one or two bottles yeah. um yeah. it's it's why i love to go to Erebus and pontiac mm-hmm. or tell people about the traverse city film festival uh why i would love one day to do a paranormal kind of investigation quote unquote of the Mackinac hotel it's all yeah. of these things that, you know, I love Michigan and I love uh, being from here. It's a beautiful state. I'm still infuriated that we got rid of our t- film and tax incentive. Oh, um, God. It's, yeah. It's one of those things that just really chaps my ass. You might know more because I'm from Allen Park and we were supposed to get that movie studio where the old city hall was. And then that. All I don't fell know. Apart. I don't know too much, but all I know is that we had an amazing tax incentive and there were wonderful films that were going to be shot here. And then once that fell through, they all went to Ohio. So of course I didn't watch those movies because yeah. how dare you? No, it's safe <laughs> to say fuck Ohio. Yeah. I, you know, uh, <laughs> and all we got was that goddamn Superman movie. That was Right, uh, that was shot here. Man right? of Steel, Man I of think. Steel. Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, Transformers. They shot yes. quite a bit here as well. And then randomly, it was um, was it Hostel Three that used the Packer Station, I think, or whatever. Is yeah, right? yeah. It was, and it was random because they they tried to shoot that this amazing building with you know no windows, and they <laughs> yeah. tried to like edit it so that it was in the middle of a desert. Like this random, like 15 story tall, like brick shit house in the middle of the desert. It made no sense whatsoever. Say what you want about the Transformer movies, but I like that Michael Bay shot him here. Okay. Look, Transformers 1 is really entertaining. Transformers 2, garbage. Transformers 3, really entertaining. (laughs) 4 and 5 are awful. I don't, like really awful. I don't want to brag, but I was an extra in Michael Bay's The Island when it was shot downtown. That was actually a pretty cool movie. Never saw it. Didn't bother to watch I actually kind of liked that movie. It was a lot of fun. My friend Tim and I were in it, and I got to hear, hear you and McGregor call a kid a cunt. 
And I thought that was very cool. Amazing. The, yeah. For some reason, that reminds me. Did you see Under the Silver Lake? It's been doing the no. festival circuit. No, I've not. So I'm, uh, this this isn't too much of a spoiler because it's just a random scene that has nothing to do with the plot. But at one point, Andrew Garfield beats the shit out of two like 10-year-old kids. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's just fantastic. <laughs> Spider-Man's tuning up the kids. Oh, uh, it's so good. I saw cool. in theaters, everyone was dying. <laughs> Uh, again, I, I, to keep singing your praises, buddy, like, and it's oh, such stop a, it. <laughs> it's such a cool like thing too. Cause I mean, when you were talking about emailing and just reaching out to people, uh, the film, uh, behind the mask, the, the rise of yeah. one of my, I love that movie. Fantastic. And, uh, when the director Glosserman, Scott Glosserman was coming, he was doing a showing at the Ann Arbor theater and I just reached out and it's I stupid email like, Hey man, saw your trailer, super excited for your movie. And the, he took the time and wrote me back. It was nothing. It was just like, hey, thanks for the support. And, you know, I, I just think that's so cool. It, it really is amazing just how supportive and warm the horror community mm-hmm. really is. Yeah. Like, I don't think people get just how much we want to support each other and lift each other up. Yeah. And it's at all levels. It's at the big studio films down to the small indies. I mean, I was just in Spain at the Sit Just Film Festival and yeah. they um, they had a screening of Overlord. And so I had already seen it at Fantastic Fest down in Austin and I did an interview with the director, Julius Avery, and one of the stars, uh, Wyatt Russell, who is the son of Kurt Russell. And so both of them were in Spain at Sit Just while I was there. And I went up to them and reintroduced myself. And they're like, yeah, we remember. You know, it's great seeing you again. And I said, hey, there's a party tonight at this one location. That's where all the industry folks are going to be gathering. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you guys show up, first round's on me. And they kind of were like, yeah, you know, sure, whatever. Um, Lo and behold, they show up. I go up and say, gentlemen, I'm here to... uh, Make good on my offer. What do you want? And they're like, uh, just uh, what about two beers? And I said, two beers and two shots. And they just went, yes. <laughs> so um, I spent, you know, a good four, five, six hours uh, with the director and, the, and one of the stars of Overlord just talking about everything. And they are so down to earth. Mm-hmm. And you get this idea that the people that you meet that are in these films are kind of full of themselves or they have these experiences that you don't have. And it's simply untrue. Mm -hmm. There are still people like us. They went through the same kinds of childhoods and uh, the same kind of experiences. So you, all you have to do is talk to them like they're normal human beings and you're perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Don't blow smoke up their ass. Don't, uh, you know, think of them as being on a higher level than yourself because that's just not true. Uh, and what will often happen is then they will turn the discussion to you and they will ask you why you're so interested. It happened when I interviewed Devin Townsend. He's a, a metal musician, very well known in the metal community. And I did a video interview with him on his tour bus. It was maybe 15 minute video interview and turned off the cameras. And I said, Devin, thank you so much. I'll get out of your hair, which is funny because he's bald. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, I'll get out of your hair. I'll let let you get ready. And he said, no, 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 no. Sit back down. I want to know why you are into horror. And we spent 45 minutes in the back room on his tour bus, just shooting the shit about everything and anything under the sun. And we got extremely personal yeah. uh, because we decided, fuck it. This is a, a rare opportunity. We're not going to get this again. Let's just 
open up and be very honest with each other. And it's one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. But it goes to show that someone who is so widely beloved around the world, they're just as eager and potentially starved yeah. for honest communication. I mean, we all got into this because we're all dorks, right? We're all yeah. the same. Like, so that's, We're super nerds. Yeah, that's it. And <laughs> I think it's, it, it is cool to be, like you said, so supportive and everybody is so you know, just into it. I, yeah. I, I, we didn't even talk. Why are you into horror? We didn't even talk about horror. I've always been into horror. Um, I actually have written articles about this. Um, it's so I had a kind of difficult childhood in that when I was very young, my sister became, uh, almost terminally ill. And so she was in the hospital for two years. And so I grew up feeling like hospitals were just a normal part of life. Mm -hmm. But, um, when you have someone who is dealing with, a potentially life-ending illness, it's kind of this unseen monster. Yeah. And so for me, horror was a way to see monsters. And I loved it from the very beginning in all of its incarnations. I was reading, I would go to my friend's place and we'd read, you know, EC comics. We would stay up <laughs> yeah, late yeah. and watch Tales from the Crypt. Yep. Um, I was playing Castlevania and Friday oh, the yeah. 13th on the Nintendo uh, and on the PC, I don't know if you remember the game, The Seventh Guest. Yeah. But yeah, I was rocking that. It's still one of my, I, they released it on Android. It's one of the few things that oh, I dude. keep on my phone. Um, there, uh, it was just everything was horror. I still have my uh, three volume edition of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark with the original illustrations, I, the Schwartz and yes, Gamel. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I was always drawn to horror, but in a way that, for me, it was a way of seeing people defeat monsters and survive. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a way for me to see, you know, creepy monsters and gore and people die. I wanted to see people fight to yeah. live. That was why I was drawn to horror. And that's why I was drawn to kind of genre in all its incarnations. I mean, one of my favorite films from my childhood was Legend, uh, the yeah. Ridley Scott film yeah, yeah. with Tim Curry's Darkness, which, you know, as as many of us know, the, the makeup was done by Rob Bottin, who did The Thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, it's this world of pure imagination and excitement and ingenuity and inventiveness that never let go. So the fact that I am in this world, I mean... When I was in Spain, I got to sit and hang out and talk with Greg Nicotero. That's and, incredible, yeah. And I purposefully had to stop myself from geeking out <laughs> and to talk yeah, to him yeah. as if we're equals. And it's just one of those things where that was one of those moments that I was telling you about earlier where I'm sitting there at this uh, bar slash restaurant, literally overlooking the Mediterranean at night as the waves are crashing in and the stars are up above and we're all drinking Spanish beer and getting shots <laughs> of Jack Daniels. And I'm sitting here with Julius Avery, the director of Overlord, with Wyatt Russell, one of the stars of Overlord and the son of Kurt Russell and Greg Nicotero. And then uh, the uh, Robert, who's the director of The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot, one of Epic's films. Yeah. And, you know, it's all of us just sitting there talking about everything and anything under the sun, not even necessarily movies or horror. It's just whatever we want to talk about. And in that moment, I, I'm just sitting back, listening to them talk. And I had to take a second where I allowed the butterflies in my stomach to go full force without showing it, you know, it was all on the inside. Sure. <laughs> just um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just sat there and I was like, 
this is real. This is my job. Yeah. This is what I get to do. And for as stressful as it can be at times, for as much time as I sink into it and as exhausting as it may be, there is nowhere else that I would rather be. It's yeah. Talking to you, it makes like I same thing with like when Nate and I do it, I, I like, it reminds me just how excited I get over this stuff and the reason why I love what I love. Yeah. Uh, I could sit and talk with you for another two hours, but unfortunately <laughs> we have to stop because some guy is here. So we're going to take a break. Some uh, guy. Yeah. Some yeah. guy is here. Uh, we're going to take a break and we come back. Jeffrey Russell, just some guy. Some guy, Some that, guy. that Jeffrey Russell. Seems nice. He's a nice enough guy. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Inkshares, the publishing and rights management platform behind amazing books like Christopher Wang's A Gentleman's Murder and also Scott Thomas's Kill Creek, which Neighbors producer Nate DeFort is reading at this very moment. I'm looking at him, doing it, and he looks like he's having a good time. Join fellow novelists in submitting your partial or finished manuscripts to Inkshare's Horror and Mystery Thriller Contest, running through December 15th and November 21st, respectively. At least three novels per contest will be chosen for both publication and representation. Over the last two years, Inkshare's has submitted its position as a marquee publisher in horror and science fiction. Inkshare's books have garnered starred reviews in every publishing magazine, features in major publications like USA Today, The Washington Post, and The New York Times, and awards from organizations, including the American Library Association, and have reached the global top five most sold books. For more information on the contest and how to submit your manuscript for a chance at publication, go to inkshares.com, or you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Inkshares. So we're good. You're good? I'm good. Okay. Uh, I'm... I normally I I know more about people when they come in and talk to us but you just you 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 tracked me down and I'm sitting here talking to Jeffrey Russell. Jeffrey Russell, that's my name. Yeah, and the only what I find so fascinating about you is that all you've given me is that you're just a guy. I'm I'm a guy. I was I was at a place and uh I I saw what happened. I saw what went down and it it, it was pretty traumatic, but it also was a was an it ruined my night. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. What What did you see? What happened? And what? I also want to know what you were doing that night that got ruined. But what? What? Take me through. What did you see? What? Okay. What's your experience? Well, I mean, I saw a guy die. Sure. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's That's pretty traumatic, right there. Nobody wants um, to see it. All right. But so I'll, I'll back up a little bit. This was an event that I was planning for a while. Like it cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it was, you know, a second date, you know, oh, okay. and so we are, that's exciting. And we're getting dolled up. I mean, this is a big event. This is one where you actually have to dress up. So, you know, I get a really nice tux. She's got a beautiful dress. Uh-huh. Everyone's looking fantastic. We get there We're you know, we're ushered down to our seats. It's this, you know, magical, amazing experience that I spent ungodly amounts of money on because I was Front and center, quite literally front and center. Thousands of dollars for each ticket, and I bought two. That's that's a pretty good second date. Not to mention, I mean, well, she was a very, very attractive and special kind of lady, so I really wanted to make an impression. Sure. Uh, plus, it's Los Angeles, so you kind of have to go big or go home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, here we are. We're watching Philip Swan do his whole uh, illusion 
event. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, check it out. There's a new illusion. We're like, this is great. This right. Is, you didn't fantastic. know this was going to happen. Yeah, I had no idea. Right. I mean, first of all, you know, it starts off and we see a bunch of half-naked dancers under some Baphomet statue <laughs> so that a skeleton can get filled with sand. Hey, thanks very much. Didn't know what was going on. And it explodes and there's Philip Swan. All right. Money worth right there. Yeah, that's date, worth the money. The date is going great. You're going to get a kiss at the end of this. Oh, there's going to be a kiss. There might be a little tongue involved. Amen. I'm not expecting anything else. But you know what? Who knows what's going down? Yeah. No, so now we get to this new illusion. Everything up until then has been great. We're applauding, standing ovations. It's great. And then he straps himself to some whirly-durly carousel with a bunch of swords dangling up above him. Uh-huh. What the shit? Right. It's kind of obnoxious at this point, right? It's over. Like It's, it's, it's a little it. much, you know, exactly. And so he starts spinning one way. The swords start spinning the other way. Everyone's kind of like, what's going on here? Right, right, right. And then suddenly a sword falls. Holy shit. His arm moves out of the way. All right. He's fine. Uh Uh-huh. Next sword falls. His head moves out of the way. Thank God he doesn't have a third eye. All right. Cool. (laughs) He's starting to go again. Sword goes right through his arm. Yeah, yeah. What? What's going on here? Is this part of the illusion? Is this some kind of a gag? Right. Is this a prank? I have no idea what's going on. More and more swords start falling into him. And it's just getting bad. There's blood flying everywhere. Blood hits the half-naked backup dancers. Starts hitting us. Right. This is a rental. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to take that back. This is a fucking rental. I got right. to take this back. Covered in blood. I'm not getting my deposit Absolutely back. Absolutely not, no. And then, last sword, right in the dick. Thanks very much. If the night wasn't already ruined, you better believe that I wasn't in the mood after that. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, all right, so take me through this. So at what point did you think maybe the date's not going to go so well now? Like, And what what sword do you do you kind of put that number at? Uh, yeah, that's actually a good question, because the first one, we, were, we actually thought it was part of the illusion. We're like, all right, this is... This is bold. Yeah. This is this is daring. I think it was probably sword two or three where we, where we suddenly realized something is amiss. Right. And you're probably thinking, "Fuck, this is." I, I, first of all, I mean, there's there's a lot going through my head. I can't only really imagine. Ninety percent is holy shit. Is Philip Swan about to die? <laughs> right. At which point, you know, you know that's tragic. But you damn well better believe I've got a story for the rest of my life. Well, yeah, you're not going to forget something like that. Oh no, absolutely not. Uh, and then. The remaining 10% of my thought is, uh, again, I've got blood hitting me, my deposit's ruined, and then I've got this beautiful woman that should be on my arm, but is pretty much sitting there trying to hold back her admittedly expensive dinner, and you know what? Sure, yeah. Night, everything about the night was ruined. That's, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That sucks. Do you talk about it afterwards? What's that What's that exchange like afterwards? I mean, you I, have to you talk. Know. You have to talk to the police. You have to give a statement. <laughs> so, and plus, you've got an audience, an entire auditorium full of people. So the police have to work their way through these people one by one. So yeah, we had to stay there for hours. Yeah. And they're not sitting there bringing us like some sandwiches or some coffee. So we're sitting around no. and we're already kind of terrified. We're shocked. We're traumatized. Right. And now we're getting hungry and angry. Yeah, we were hangry. So that was, you know, annoying enough. But then I had to absolutely get some trauma therapy. You know, I did one or two sessions. Turns out that insurance doesn't really do that well for mental health. So, yeah, they, you know, I had to yeah. cut those off. So uh, Therapy is great, though. If you can get back into it, I, I highly recommend oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, not at LA costs. 
No, every it, it's astronomical. Like we said, it's it's, it's just outrageous. Crazy out there. Yeah. So, do you and this uh, lady, we'll keep her anonymous. Do you? Please, do you? Yeah. Did, was there a third date? No. <laughs> Are you kidding? No, I figured. She gets to go around telling everyone, "Yeah, I had two <laughs> dates and saw a guy die." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, how was your second date? You know, saw some blood hit my face. I can't. That was great. Yeah, that's probably not the solidest, most solid foundation for a stable relationship. I'm telling huh? you this right now. That was thousands of dollars not well spent. That's that's a lot of money. That's a lot, a lot of money. Were you even more upset? And I don't know if you know this or not, but were you upset when you found out that he wasn't actually dead? So look, there were rumors. Uh-huh. I heard about that. And yeah, there was a lot of frustration. But the thing is, it wasn't exactly... Like, no one knew for certain because there were people that were like, I could have swore I saw him, but he never you know, came back. There wasn't some, you know magical event where on tv suddenly explosion hey you know right. i'm back yeah yeah um so it was just rumors but and so that kind of threw everything for a loop with me because did i see a man die did i not see a man die and can i believe that he's alive can i not believe he's alive what's going on so i'm taken for a complete spin um but I'll and that's got to th- turn your your reality just upside down right what's real what's fake this it's, guy i mean he was the world's biggest illusionist. Right. I mean, admittedly, it's a dick thing to do, but it's kind of impressive. It's very much a dick thing to do because, again, I don't think he's paying my deposit on that tux. <laughs> right. Not to mention the money that you paid for the tickets. You know, even that, like, theoretically, we got, I would say, about, you know, three quarters, four fifths of the show. So <laughs> we theoretically got our money's worth. Okay. I'm still not happy about it. Right, right, right. But, I, I, uh, yeah. yeah, the performance artists, like, I get it, you know, like, yeah, I, I, was... I, it's impressive, but, you know, cut, cut the bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. So trauma therapy, couple sessions worked out for those. You never saw this girl again. No. What's your dating life like now? Uh, it's far more reserved. Okay. Definitely no more illusion shows. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it's even at the point where I don't want to go to the zoo because who knows if someone just trips, some kid trips, falls over into the gorilla cage. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that will never happen post-1993. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know, don't. I, I'm just, I'm very careful and reserved about where I take my dates. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, that's that's a hard thing to go through. Yeah. Not to, I mean, I, and then to find out that he's alive, and I, I don't even know if you got mixed up with the occult stuff that he was a part of. Well, apparently, uh, f- from the rumors, you know, he came back, went to that cult compound, and died there. So it's like, dude, p- you know, pick a place. Either you die in front of an audience, <laughs> right. or you die in a ramshackle little hut in the middle of nowhere. Clearly, you chose the wrong path if that's the way that it went down. I'm on your side. This Phillips, he's kind of a dick. He's, he's a, a bit this of guy's a dick. kind of ruined your life. He's a bit of a dick. <laughs> in a little way. Yeah. Yeah. He's also a little creepy. I mean, a little well, I mean, you know about his wife, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that he saved her when she was like a young teenager and he was already in his early 20s it's like look i get age difference is fine as you get older sure, but we're talking but, like 30s and 40s this but guy's, yeah no no because he was like he was in his early 20s when he uh when he rescued her right oh no but she was still a teenager right. so you know fast forward 10 it was uh i think 13 years later fast forward you know she would be in her mid to late 20s and he'd be looking at his late 30s you're a bit of a creep, dude. Yeah, so not yeah. only are you killing yourself at the most inopportune times. For you. For me and yeah. for my date, yeah. you're like, you're a bit of a skeeve. Yeah, that's kind of, not, you know, yeah, really bizarre. Because 
yeah, I don't, you, you sort of like manufacture this relationship, right? Like you save this girl. I wonder if you'd like, you, you kind of guilt her into like, well, now you got to marry me. I, I saved you. Yeah. I, see, we don't know what happened after that, but all we know yeah. is that, you know, she got married to him and she even, you know, said to people, uh, that they don't have your normal husband and wife relationship. Red flag. So exactly. Red flag. Like, yeah. You met him when you were a teenager. Of course. Like, you know, that's, it seems like all this information about the occult and what he was really into, it seems kind of free flowing. Like he doesn't really do a good job of hiding the, the stuff that he's into. No. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, you're into that. Yeah. You got out of it, but you're kind of still in that world. Like, did you really get out of it? Oh, you didn't. Now you're making money off of it. You're a right. bit of a dick. Yeah. He's kind of, yeah. The more we talk about him, this guy's kind of a cock. Uh, I would encourage you to get back out there and date. You're a very nice no, guy. No, I, like I, I, believe me, I try and date. I'm just very reserved in where the dates go. Yeah. That's the thing because if you know anything that's a bit of a spectacle, you gotta worry. Like who knows? You go to a fireworks display and suddenly one just tips over, flies into an audience, and some guy's head explodes. Right. Wonderful. I don't need to see that. No, uh, no. Again, the zoo. We already went over that. You know the yeah. possibilities are endless. Uh, you go. To a theme park, roller coasters are pretty dangerous. People fall out of them all the time. Exactly. It's it's a. Uh, I'm smiling. Kind of and I, I'm not. I'm not making light of the situation, but I I find it very amusing to think of you at a at a zoo with a date while a gorilla just goes to town on a kid. Yeah, I. That's a problem. <laughs> some some gorilla some kid falls in because they're shithead of a parent isn't paying enough attention and it's their fault you're right it's the parents and fault. B- but hey guess what it might be the parents fault but you know what that kid has to suffer being pounded on by donkey kong <laughs> while the zoo officials are trying to find the trank gun that's and yeah they're never handy they don't have them on them like they should no these animals are bound to go nuts at some point what are your thoughts on magic now you know it's still uh there's still something fascinating about it let's be real swan's uh, illusionary demise, the trick that did him in, yeah. was not really magic. It was, you know, we all saw it. We saw his hand kind of like like twiggling a bit and then going to his neck and then reaching right, for right, his right. other hand. It's not an illusion. It's, uh, it's mainly a game of chance and skill. <laughs> like, how good are you at picking a lock in a short amount of time? And apparently he didn't practice enough. That's not magic. Yeah. Exactly. I like I like card tricks. I like stuff with coins. You know, yeah, like that's magic to there me. There you go. You know, yeah. you know, pull a coin out from behind my ear when you're not wearing any sleeves. I'm good to go. I'm blown away. Yeah, I love exactly. It. I'm a simple man. Yeah, seeing that blew me away. <laughs> I was that kid in a candy shop right. watching Swan do his illusions. Amazing. I, Lock picking. Eh, not so much. Yeah, it's really not. We're really... in Los Angeles. There, everyone knows lockpicking. Well, you said it. Yeah, you said it yourself. You got to step it up, man. You're in L.A. Yeah. Like we can't be pussyfooting around here. You gotta, you gotta do something that's really gonna knock me, knock my socks off. You know, like apparently die, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like like die in front of a group of people. like die in front of people, right. splatter them with blood. Okay, so, suddenly, uh, and especially doing it in front of your wife. If you really want to get a divorce, there are probably much better ways to do it. I imagine, I imagine. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> he married a kid. He married a kid. Well. Yeah. Jeffrey, I thank you for telling me this. I, I. It's good to get it out. I, I, yeah. I, I feel, I feel better. Well, having good. This story come out. I'm glad, and I'm sorry that that happened to you. Like I said, you, 
happened to, happened to a lot of people. You know, there were a lot of people in that in that audience. <laughs> I would like to track down some of those people and see if we you know see what their thoughts were about the whole thing. Yeah. Well, Jeffrey, uh, again, thank you for coming by. Uh, don't give up on love, man. Uh, you know, I won't. Moira, Moira Baumgartner might have gotten away after a second date, but uh, there are definitely some oh. other ladies out there. Uh, there's a, there's a Moira for all of us. <laughs> this is true. Thanks, Jeff. I will find my real Moira. <laughs> Thanks for listening to My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock. The show is produced by myself and Nate DeFort with editing done by Nate DeFort. Original music was composed by Jesse Case and additional music was composed by Dane Halverson. Our artwork was done by Mark Nishan. Just a Guy, Jeffrey Russell, was played by Jonathan Barkan. Jonathan is the editor-in-chief of Dread Central. You can find them on dreadcentral.com. If you'd like to support My Neighbors Are Dead while getting unique swag and a look behind the scenes of how we make the show, go to patreon.com slash mynaborsaredead. No amount is too small and every bit helps. If you have yet to rate and review My Neighbors Are Dead on iTunes, please take a second and do so. It helps us grow and it helps new neighbors find the show. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at My Neighbors Are Dead and on Twitter at My Dead Neighbors. Stop by and share your favorite episodes. If you want to join in weekly discussions about the movies covered on our episodes, you can join us on our Facebook group, The Neighbors Movie Society. Thanks again to this week's sponsor, InkShares, and their 2018 horror and sci-fi contests. For more info on the contest and how to submit your partial or completed manuscripts, go to www.inkshares.com. This week, we have a very special sponsor. My Neighbors Are Dead producer Nate DeFort just launched a children's podcast network, and the first show, Unspookable, will definitely appeal to our listeners. Unspookable is a family-friendly look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends. Each week, host Elise Parisian discusses such topics as Bloody Mary, Charlie Charlie, and the Slender Man to find the stories behind the scares. Let's take a listen to the trailer now and then go subscribe to Unspookable wherever you get your podcasts. There's a game that people play that summons Charlie Charlie, who's a ghost. He is very tall. He doesn't have a face. He might come out in like the middle of the night or something. And then you have to spin around three times with your arms crossed saying Bloody Mary. Hi, I'm Elise Parisian. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Charlie Charlie game was real or just a trick people played at school? Or if Ouija boards actually worked? On the first season of Unspookable, we'll be talking about the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories from sleepovers, playgrounds, and beyond. The first season of Unspookable begins on Tuesday, October 16th, just in time for Halloween. Make sure you subscribe to Unspookable now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating to help more people find Unspookable. Part of the Soundsington Audio Network.